Today's text is taken from Exodus chapter 3, verses 3 to 10. And it reads, And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him, unto him out, of the, out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am, here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh either, draw not nigh either, but put off the shoe off of thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am God thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God and Moses. And sorry, and Moses hide his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their of their masters, their taskmaster, for I have seen heard, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and bring them out of the land unto a good land, a large, a large unto the flowing of milk and honey, and unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the, Paras the Parasites, the Avites, and the Jesusites. Now therefore, behold the cry of the children of Israel come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptian oppressed them. Number 10. And now therefore I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. May the Lord bless the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Oh, the other God. They are the works of man, but you are the most high God, and there is none like you. sitting there, I was telling a couple of the young people that I was, for some strange reason, feeling nervous. So I noticed that Eleanor took a sip of water as well. I've been taking sips all afternoon, man. But here, here's why that song means, means a lot to me. It gets me going every time. But do you understand the name, the, 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 the name of God? Let me give you an example. It says, Jehovah Yahweh, which is the Lord provide. Jehovah, which is 
the Lord that healeth, Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace, and Jehovah Ra, the Lord is my shepherd. So if you don't understand what that song means, that's why, that's why we sing it. If you don't understand why we repeat the name Jehovah, that's exactly why. It made me feel at home, man. It made me feel like I was next to my grandma. My grandma can't really move too much, but when she hears about God, she does this, and she still can't help but move, because she knows that the only person that's brought her through to this moment now is Jehovah. My uncle's not feeling too well back home, but he knows that the only person that's kept and still through is Jehovah. I have family members who couldn't be here because they're ill, but they know that Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi is still their God. And you have to know that too, as Christians and important as Adventist Christians as well. We're going to hit the word, but before we do, just want to thank the young people, because there's a report that goes around that says our age group, the millennials, are the fastest leaving group in church. So we have to commend those who are still in this race. We've got to commend them, man. We've got to keep them because we're here for the long run. This isn't short haul. We've gone through our struggles just like you, but we're here for the long run. So I just want to thank God for your services. You might not get the thank you now, but the Bible says, man, your feet are beautiful because you're carrying this gospel. So wait until Resurrection Day. Wait till Jesus comes again, and you will get your thank yous, and you will get your rewards in heaven. Don't leave the race now. I struggle just like you. It doesn't matter what title I have before my name. I struggle just like you, but I hold on to this faith because I know that it's God that I serve. And so what we really wanted to focus on was today is the culmination of Global Youth Day. And before we do, let's, let's, let's pray and, and, and get into the word. Our Heavenly Father, as always, just want to thank you so much for gathering your young people here and enabling us to utilize the, the, the different gifts that you've given us. I pray that the message here will not just be a message for today, but it will be something that resonates in our hearts moving forward. And as a song that has been sung, we are your light. We are the people who are to go out into this world and send a message that you've given us as a people. May we not shy away from it. Please enable us to move forward with this message and, and, and hide me behind the cross because I'm far from worthy to deliver this message. These things I pray for the authority of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So for, for those of you who don't know, we've had for this whole week, Global Youth Week. So around the world, young people in, in the SDA church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, have been going out to do some form of good. So they've been doing charitable work, so feeding the homeless, prison ministries. What else have they been doing, Marissa? Where is she? What are some of the things we've been doing? So, uh, so they've been volunteering, they've been putting an effect their faith into action. They put their money where their mouth is. So today marks the culmination of Global Youth Day. And so if you've noticed throughout the week, a, a caveat first, we are due to, to go out and witness, and obviously you've seen the snow, so we'll see. So I was told we needed to finish early, so this won't be a long message. But we've been looking throughout the week at young leaders in the Bible. But this initiative started over five years ago where we as young adults have been called to put our faith into action. We've been called to be the servant. So I'm not going to offend some people. Do you see the shirt that I'm wearing here? Have you seen some of the young people wearing those shirts? Well, what does it say at the back? It says to be the servant. So we've, that's, that's why I'm wearing the shirt as I'm standing there to preach. Don't throw any stones at me if that's all right. So the, we've been called to do that. So I've been asked to, to essentially speak and give a charge about being called. So throughout this week, as I mentioned, we've looked at young leaders in the Bible. 
So the likes of Samuel, who was trained to be a spiritual leader. The likes of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers to later become the de facto leader of his family and then prime minister. The likes of David, a shepherd who brought down a giant. And the likes of Joshua, a young man chosen to take on the mantle of the leader after Moses died. But when I looked at the Bible and I looked at this message, I was drawn to an older man, Moses. So how this actually came about is funny. So as part of the, the, um, the leadership, I knew I had to preach in October. So I started writing the sermon pretty early on. And then Marissa came to me about a month ago, two months ago, and says, oh, it's youth day. Do you want to speak, Chris? And I said, yeah, sure, I'll speak. What do you want me to speak about? And she said, I want you to speak about being called and about, about leadership. And funny enough, that was exactly the sermon that I was writing after I heard pastor talking about being called, sat here about two months ago. So that's how God works. Two, Kalinda was, uh, read a text during the prayer. I was listening to Michael Kelly last night and then this morning, and the text that he read stood out to me. And guess what that text was? The exact text Kalinda did. So I'm telling you that God is working, and I, I pray that this message, as simple as it is, will reach someone. So in effect, when I looked at the Bible, I looked at an older man, Moses, who was called to service. And I believe at this day and age that the message isn't just for young people, but it's for us as a whole. So if you don't know about Moses, he was an adopted child, a former prince, who then became, who went on the run, and then was chosen for a particular message by God. Now, if you've ever seen, if you've ever read the Bible, what's the movie, Lois? Prince of Egypt. If you've ever seen Prince of Egypt, you know how it ended. So you often focus on, on the end of it. But what I wanted to focus on with Moses was what was so fascinating is the dialogue that he had with God by the burning bush. Because it brings some realism to a, a Bible character who was, in fact, a real person. So if I can have on the screen um, Exodus 3, 4. So Exodus chapter 3, verses 4. So it says, when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called him within the bush, saying, Moses, Moses. What I found fascinating about this is why did God call him twice? God is everywhere, right? He can just say your name once. Why, why the need to call him twice? So I was blown by this. So I looked at it and I thought, what is the purpose of this? And then it brought me back to my childhood. And if you've ever had the privilege of being brought up in, in an African home, more specifically in a Nigerian home, and more specific to that in a Nigerian home in Nigeria, you will understand why those two words will bring shivers down your spine. Check this out. So I've got, I asked a, a couple of young people, um, what was the worst punishment you ever received from your parents? And a few of them were quite funny. So obviously there's, there's, the, there's the, I'm not condoning this, by the way, there was the belt. And then someone said she once eaten uh, grapes that she wasn't supposed to eat. So the mom said, okay, keep eating. And so she kept eating until she felt sick. It's a bit mean. Another one was if they, if they, were, if they were disobedient, the father would make them run. So he had the health message and punishment at the same time. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if, if you come from a Nigerian home, you know that you can have some of the most creative, not just parents, but in school, the type of punishments that they'll give you. 
So if you know that there's specific punishments assigned to specific disobedience, can I have the picture on the screen? I'll just use this here, is it right? So these are some of the punishments that they would make you do if you were disobedient. So they would, we were practicing yoga before yoga became a thing. So look at number seven, man. Like you'd have to be in that position for like a minute or so. Just learning about your, huh? Health the health message, man. So learning, stretching, being limber. My mom's worried I'm giving away some trade secrets. But you'd have to do some of these punishments. Can I go to the, the second one? So number nine used to be my worst, man. That was called pick pin. And I'll, I'll break it down to you in terms of what they were. And these are some of the different punishments that you get. And I'll get to the reasons why I'm talking about this. So I remember in school, for, for, uh, I was a relatively, uh, I was stubborn as a kid. But I thought I was, a good, I was a good child. I remember in school once, the teacher said, no one talks when you come from an assembly into the classroom. So I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I kept to that rule, but my friends were talking. So I was saying, don't talk, the teacher's going to come. So as I was telling my friends not to talk, guess what the teacher did? He walked into the room. And then every school had this thing called koboko, which was essentially a long cane. So he said, Chris, you're talking. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not talking. I'm telling everyone not to, not to talk. But he didn't believe me. So guess what? He brought a koboko out, and he whooped me right, oh, two or three times. But you'd have those different experiences. So you, you have your standing you know, writing on the board, hands up. You have to be in that position for a long time. This is our version of timeout. You know how you say time out, go upstairs or face the wall? Now you have to put your hands on your ear. Then this was frog jump. This was great. So you'd literally be like that, and then you'd have to hop, and then hop backwards. Yeah, teaches you discipline, but you're healthy as well. That's why I'm good at football. You can jump really high. And this is, this is the painful one, man. This is pick pin. So you had to imitate picking a pin like that and stay in that position for a couple of minutes. What do you think happens when that happens to you? You, you? you learn. You're not doing the exact same thing ever again because you learn discipline. So you can take that off, John. So when I thought about this, I said, and the reason why I say this is as a kid growing up, to certain times when you, when you get called or, or, or when you get disciplined, so sometimes what was worse than the actual punishment was the anticipation of the punishment. I'm lying, Dwayne. <laughs> See, Dee was telling me about like when he was, can I say it? I can't do it. See, he was telling me when he was younger and he did something wrong, but Brother Newell would be like, wait till we get home. And they just live close by. But when he said, wait till we get home, that journey was long. And then he's thinking, oh, has dad forgotten yet? But then when dad gets through the door, what does he say? Aha, I remembered. So the anticipation of that pain sometimes was always worse. So here, it's, it's, it's a, this is why it, it resonates with me. So sometimes what happens is when you get called, if you're in trouble, what, what, how do you know when, you, when you're in trouble? Huh? The tone of the voice, but also when they call you by what? Your name and your full name. See, like I said, I'm, a, I'm from a Nigerian home, like a special home where they give you really loads of, a lot of middle names. So when I heard Christopher Daniel Udu Kokoite Kufre Okadiye Roberts, <laughs> mate, I knew I was in for it. When they called all my names, you think I have a lot of my names? My sister has like a hundred different names in a book. So when she heard her names and I heard my names, we know we were in, in for trouble. 
But I looked at this and I saw Moses was being called twice. But what was worse, funny enough, in, in my upbringing, is not just when you were called by your full name. It's when they called your first name more than once. It's the oddest thing. But this is why. So I, I need some helpers. Can I have some, some mic? mics to, to a couple of these guys to help me out? And then I need you guys to be interactive because it needs to make sense to you as well. So sometimes... So sometimes they'll call, yeah, like a couple of these guys. So I want, I want these guys to, re, to help me out, and then I want the church to actually uh, join in along. So what I'm going to do, Len, so just guys, face me. So what I want to do, so it, I, will, I will say, um, you, you will, will role play, so I'm the parent and you're Chris. I'll say Chris, and then you have to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's how we have to respond, yes, sir, yes, ma. Right, so you say, yes, sir. Do you get it? So, and, and then I'll ask you how many times I called you that you tell me the number of times. Does that make sense? Like, are you ready, church? So, Christopher. Yes, sir. Christopher. Yes, sir. Christopher. Yes, sir. How many times did I call you? Three. Three times, I, sir. How, exactly, then. How many times did I call you? Three, Three times, times, sir. The, the, when, you, when that happened, my mom's laughing, because when that happened... You knew you were about to see Pepe. <laughs> like, you knew it. Because that was worse than your, your full name being called. Mm. But I looked at Moses and I said, so the Lord said in chapter 4, but when the Lord had gone over to look, so when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. So I, what is, was Moses in trouble? Was he about to frog hop? Was he going to pick pin? But if you read the rest of the story, that's not the case at all. So if you move with me to, to um, verse 5. So here the conversation goes, oh, oh, sorry, complete in verse 4. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then, yeah, so do not come any closer, God said. Take up your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am God of your father, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out of their slave drivers. So if you look at this, it wasn't a situation that Moses was in trouble about to get beaten. And then it resonated with me as well. So as I grew up, calling my name twice didn't stop. As you grew up, what tended to happen was when my name was called twice, it was because there was words of wisdom that they needed me to hear. There was something important that I needed to understand. So I remember once when I'd, um, I'd ruptured my kiddies' tendon, Sister Badajo, who used to come here before, came to my house to pray for me. So she was praying for a football injury. But then, as, as in any Nigerian home, that extends to marriage. She started praying about me meeting the right woman. I was like, hold it, you're praying about my leg. <laughs> but she said, Christopher, Christopher, how many times did I call you? And I said, two times. And she gave me this message that would never leave me. She said, there are two types of women in your life that God would bring in front of you. Sorry, there are two types of women in your life that will be in your presence. There will be one that God has brought for you to build things together and to make it to the kingdom. And there's another woman who the devil will bring in front of you to destroy you. 
See how deep that is, but she had to call my name twice for, me to, for that to resonate with me. So if you, look at the, if you look at Moses, God had called him twice so it could resonate in his mind what he was about to say. So if you read on with me, so I said, the Lord, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians, to bring them out to the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, and the Parasites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way of the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, Israelites sorry, out of Egypt. So if you look at God's call to Moses, he was telling him, listen, Moses, my people are suffering. I've heard their cry. Go out and save my people. I'm calling you for a purpose, but I need you to hear this. And it's similar to us. We believe as an Adventist movement, we have a particular message for this time. We have gone through stewardship throughout this whole quarter in Sabbath school. And then also for the last week, we've gone through a revival looking at the end day message. We have a particular message to give to this world. And God is calling us, as he called Moses, to make sure that we listen to it. But here's what makes Moses real, because sometimes we see him as a character. What was Moses' first response when God said, go out and save these people? What did he say? What did he say to Charlotte? He made an excuse. Right, so what's interesting, God has said, go and do this. The first thing, first excuse Moses makes with God. This exchange is, is crucial. So Moses says, who am I that you should send me? But what was funny is, you know what was going through, I think what was going through Moses' mind? He had been a prince, seen his people suffering, tried to defend them, killed, was on the run, and guess what God was asking him to do? Go back to the scene of the crime. Can you imagine? You've committed a crime, and God says, go to the police station and tell them to let my people go. <laughs> so naturally, he's like, how? But I think also what was going through his mind, God was asking him to go to people that he knew. And Moses knew that these people knew who Moses truly was or what he thought they were. How difficult is it for you to tell your friends, but your friends know who you are outside of church, though? So it's difficult because they know sometimes you aren't as holy as you you put that, that, that jacket on in church. So Moses was like, who am I to go and do this? So that was the first excuse. The second one, he said, was what? Who shall I say sent me? So that was Exodus, can we have it up? Exodus 3.13, sorry. So Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your father sent me unto you, and sorry, and Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say, The God of your father has sent me unto you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God responded. So God gave him the response. Do you think this should have been enough for him? What was the next excuse Moses came up with? Moses then said, But they won't believe me. 
<laughs> Fair enough. So Moses answered and said, but behold, in chapter, um, sorry, chapter 4, verses 1, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say that the Lord had not appeared to me. Fair enough. God responded. And then in chapter in 4, verse 10, Moses then came up with this. He said, but I can't speak. I'm a stammerer. So he's stretching for reasons. But to be fair, if you've ever had stammering, my uncle stammers. And sometimes I get it. But he's coming up with excuses that I can't speak. But God says, that's fine. I'll send someone to speak with you. But Moses is now stretching. He's stretching for reasons not to go. Not to go. He said, I can't speak. And then here's the best bit. So at the end, Moses gives up. He's like, what does he say at the end? What's the last excuse? Where is it? In chapter uh, 13, 4.13. Is it 4.13? Either before that. The last excuse Moses Moses makes is send someone else. (laughs) He's like, yeah, not me. Just, Just send someone else. So what's funny is when we were sitting down to plan this youth day, at four o'clock we're supposed to be going out to, to speak to people. And as the youth department sat down, Marissa testified to this, and we said, let's go out and, and evangelize and let's go out to the heart of Brixton and speak to people about this great God who saved our lives. Us as young people were what, Leslie? A bit apprehensious, terrified, and then eventually, what did we land on? I sent someone else, let the PM department do it. And it reminded me of Moses' example right here. Moses was, was just like us. And sometimes it's the realization that it, it isn't the easiest thing to always do God's work. But when we come to the realization that he has saved us, look at some of the songs we were singing today, that he sent his only son on our behalf. We are bought with a price. We have a message that we genuinely believe can change and change the world and heal a broken world. But yet, we are apprehensive about doing so. So that exchange is incredible. But what I realized, Pastor, is it's not, it's, it, it, it's not resonated to just witnessing. So every two years, what happens in our church? Nominating committee. So you get the phone call, young man. You're like, oh. <laughs> what do they want me to do now? Nominating committee have chosen you to do, to serve as... And then we do what? Rightly or wrongly, I need to think about it. Or I'm not quite sure I'm the right fit for this. But I want to tell you a message in in, in this exchange with, with God and Moses. If you look back on what God said to Moses, he completely missed the point. God said, I am sending you, in chapter, so chapter three, verse seven, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering. Do you know what slavery entails? Sometimes depression, rape, people miserable. God is saying, I've heard them crying. He's telling us as Adventists, as Christians in particular, I've heard my people crying and they need to be taken out of bondage. And we miss it. We miss the point. We start focusing on ourselves. But God is like, I know I've chosen you for a reason, but listen to what I'm saying. I've called you twice. My people are suffering. Go out. 
Go out and tell them. I've made a promise that I'll take them out of bondage into a land flowing with milk and honey. I've heard them, but Moses completely missed the point. What's interesting here, though, is as God was telling them that message, Les, guess what Moses was focused on? He was more concerned about his flaws, his doubts, and his shortfalls, and as a result, completely missed the point that sometimes our calling is about others, not ourselves. See, when God talks about service, Moses begins to talk about ability. When God talks about saving, Moses begins to talk about appearance. You must look this way in order to serve God. You must have the face to be able to come up to the pulpit sometimes. But God is talking about saving, saving souls of people who are suffering. And here's the sobering part. When God talks about using an imperfect being, Moses seeks perfection. God knows we're flawed. He's not asking for the perfect person. He's asking you to just go and do his work. See, God wasn't concerned about Moses' shortfall. He's more concerned about his children who needed help. Here's the second part that I found absolutely fascinating. So if you look at every excuse that Moses made, do you know how God responded first? So let's go to Let's go to the, 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 the text. So when he makes the excuse, when he makes the excuse about I can't speak, or when he says they won't believe me, or says who shall, who shall I say sent me, God at every turn says this before anything. He says, I am the God of who? Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Isaac. Why does he say that as a first response to Moses? So talk to me, Brick. So why does he say it? As evidence of who he is? As a reminder of... So sometimes God has to remind us, do you know who I am? So I'll tell you this as a secret. Don't tell anyone else. I like wrestling. I really do. Stop laughing, Mo. Like, I really do. So there's, there's this character, and he's called Bully Ray. So he comes out and he says, do you know who I am? So he tells his foe, do you know who you're dealing with? So sometimes God has to remind you, do you know I'm Jehovah Jireh? Do you know I'm Jehovah Nisi? And Jamie gave a great example yesterday about sometimes our problems seem so large, but where God is sat, it's so small. And he's telling you, do you know who I am? I know you're sick, but do you know who I am? I know your challenges, but do you know who I am? I know you're afraid the people in the world won't believe your message, but do you know who I am? I'm the same God that brought you up from the very moment you were born. I know the number of hairs in your head. Do you know who I am? I'm the guy that dealt with your immigration problem. Shouldn't say that. Do you know who I am? When you had no money, do you know who I am? I tell this testimony every time I never fail to do so. When I wanted to go to law school, just like my buddy here, Mo, who's a lawyer, we had to try and get 10,000 pounds to pay for the LPC, so I didn't get a training contract. So my mum went into, into the bank to get, was it a remortgage? 
or to get a loan. And the lady at the bank said, nice, all right, I see you're a Christian lady, I'll give you my own personal money to pay for it. Do you know who I am? The lady said, I will pay for your son to go to school, pay me back when you can. That's a stranger. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? But check this out. This is what's more fascinating. This Bible is incredible for those of you who don't read it or study or don't believe in it. Check this out. So I don't want you to miss it. Can we get, can we get the, 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 the last slide on, please, John? So every time God refers to three, just before you do, God refers to three of those people. And you know, I was wondering, why did he pick those three individuals? But check this out. So he says, I'm God of Jacob. Take it off, John. Take it off. Don't let him miss it. I'm God of Jacob. And who is Jacob? The supplanter. Huh? The deceiver. The thief. Call him names. Right. I'm the God of Isaac. What was Isaac's big flaw? He was a flawed parent. Had favorites. And check this out, it's my favorite. I love Father Abraham, the song we sing in, in AY. Father Abraham, God made a covenant with him that I will make you the father of many nations. And what did Abraham do? Through Sarah. Ladies International Week. <laughs> Through Sarah, guess what? God made the promise with him that Abraham went and slept with his wife's maid. She had a baby, and then what did he do? He kicked her out, then kicked his child out. He's the type of guy at that moment, and I'm not making jest of it, that you would see on Jeremy Carl. He's a father to two baby mothers. Am I lying? But God still refers to him. Because he's telling Moses, listen, Moses, I know your past, man. I know what you did wrong. But I'm the God of those same individuals who were flawed, and I'm still your God too. And that's what he's telling to you. But here's the most important part that I loved about it. John, can we now get that graphic up? So when God makes, sometimes names are important. When God met with Abraham and met with Jacob, guess what? So when he first named with Abraham, he changed his name to what? And then with Jacob, he did what? But in the text, though, he says, I'm the God of who? Jacob, the God of Isaac, and the God of Abraham. So it means that he referred to Abraham by his changed name, but referred to Jacob as his what? As his original name. Why? Why? And here's the reason why. Don't, don't miss this. The reason why is that what God is saying is if, if before you meet with me and I make a covenant with you, or after I meet with you and you, you fall, I am still your God. Amen. Don't miss it though. Listen, he said with Abraham, I've changed you to, to Abraham, so I've changed you to Abraham. With Jacob, I've changed you to Israel. But he was telling Moses, I'm still the God of Abraham, the changed character, and I'm still the God of Jacob before the change. So don't get it twisted and think that God isn't still your God, regardless of your problems. 
See, what God, like I said, what God is telling us, that it doesn't matter if you fall before or after you have an encounter with him. He's still your God, and he still wants to use you. Paul, what God was telling Moses was this. You like this one. That his grace will always be greater than sin. Come on. He was telling him, my grace is greater than your sin. It doesn't matter. I am still your God. See, what's amazing about God is that despite our flaws, despite what others may say about you, despite sometimes what you feel the church thinks about you, or you think the church thinks about you, mm, it doesn't matter if they say you're too young. Bid your time, young man. Mm-mm. He doesn't say that. Doesn't say if you sin too much, that there's no way back. There is. Here's the thing, man, because when God has called you, he has called you. Even as a leader, when you fall, you can still lead. You can still lead. That's what God was telling Moses. But Moses missed it. Missed it. He missed the call to save, and he missed the call about who he was referring to. But the most incredible thing about our God, though, remember when we went to Thailand with John and we went to, what was it, the, the, the Buddhist temple and they all had to put offerings in. And John said something that resonated. He's like, my, man, I thank, I thank the Lord that my God is free. <laughs> so what's amazing about God, though, he doesn't say that you need to, he, 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 the God that we serve doesn't say that you need to work for him. He says what? You are co-laborers. So despite your flaws, he doesn't say, come and work for me. He says, can you believe it? Come and work with me. Prostitute with me. Drug dealer with me. Liar with me. Gossiper with me. Flawed leader with me. Come and work with me. Be co-laborers in his vineyard. I promise you this wasn't going to be long. So in closing... What's the latest movie that everybody's hyped on? Black Panther. Everyone's hyped on that movie. So apart from it showing the regality of being African, yes, showing what Africa is and what Africa could be, should have been, and is, Adam, come to Nigeria, man. Apart from our praise, man, we'll show you regals, royalty. Apart from showing all of that, here's what the, the, the message behind it was. It shows a people who had a message, or in their, in their words, they had a technology that could do what? Potentially save. But for fear of outsiders coming in, or for fear of the world knowing about their healing powers, what do they do? They hid it for how long? For centuries. And it reminded me of this Christian faith. We have this message that literally could heal and save a world, but we're so concentrated on our flaws and our issues that we don't tell the world about it. We keep it hidden. As though we can't save. But 
to my friends who've come to, to support me, this Christian faith is an easy faith, Mo. It's not complicated. It's fairly simple. It's faith and works. So faith without works is dead. So the reason I'm here every Sabbath is this. I genuinely believe God exists because I know what he's done for me. And because I believe in what he's done, I live a certain lifestyle and try to do good to other people so they can be drawn to him. That's our faith. We complicate it. Talking about dress, music, all these type of things. It's simple. Believe in him. Share the message with other people. And by God's grace, we'll see each other in eternity. It's a simple message. There's nothing complex about it. So we often say this. God says you're the head, of, you're the head and not the tail. So Brixton, lead. God says you're the light of the world as you, as you sung. So shine. You've been given a message. Speak. What are you keeping quiet for? Speak. Here's my favorite part. We sing the song all the time. Seeking the lost. Move. You can't keep singing, seeking the lost and sit down. Move. Thank you, Adam. I nearly missed the point. So here was the point of the conversation with Moses. Can, can I take off my jacket? Is that all right? You'll begrudge me. Okay. So, hey, hey, behave. So, the, the point of this, the reason I'm taking, let me take this down. The reason that I'm saying this, so what Moses thought God was sending him to do about saving souls, about saving people who were in suffering, get this. So Moses thought God was only sending him to, to save the people, um, take, get the people out of bondage. But in fact, by God using Moses, as flawed as he was, he was using Moses to be what? He was literally saying, Moses, I know you're flawed. I know you committed a crime. But go back to the scene of the crime because those people know who you are and they've seen you've changed. And you are the sermon. You are the sermon. It's not about physically bringing them and parting the Red Sea. That's what I will do. But for you, I need you to be the sermon. And here's what's sobering about it, Brixton. And it came to me last night. As I said earlier, he went back to the same people that he knew. And for us, for the people that we've known who've left the church, it is principally important, man, that we reclaim them back. We go back to the people that we knew who were lost and we bring them back home. Moses went into a mix of people who he didn't know, but also his family members. And it's crucial for us to do the exact same thing. Be the sermon. Be the sermon. And God doesn't just ask us to do it. Here's why you must do it. If you carry the mantle of being a Christian, listen to this. You are the guardians of God's character. Appreciate that. You are the guardians of his character. So when someone sees you and you say you're a Christian, guess who they try and see then? So you're guarding his character. So in everything that you do, your walk of life, your talks, everything, 
You are the guardians of God's character. So that's the message. It's no hype. It's fairly simple. But on a practical level, what does it mean? So I'm so proud of our church, man. We have so many different entities that are designed to do good. Where's our women's ministry leader? I can see her waving. Can you just stand up for me, please? She's not here? Who's that, who's that in the beige? Who am I seeing? Women's ministry. She's not here? So women's ministry. So we have a women's ministry in our church. Particularly in 2017, where it was the age of women. It was the year of women. We've had an institution that's been designed to empower females. Our church have been doing it for some time. It's time for us to go out and do it. Prison ministries. Sammy takes the lead in that. We go to prison to spend time with people who are incarcerated and tell them of this God that we love. We have our, our, our men's ministry designed to, 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 to bring future leaders in the church. We have our Feed in the Homeless program that takes place every Thursday. Feed people who are hungry. If you don't think departmental uh, environments are for you, do some good. Do some charitable work. Because God is calling you, despite what people think, despite the flaws that you have. He's calling you to be the sermon. Now we've had, we've suffered a bereavement as a church this week. But here's the comfort that we have, man. That Alicia was brought up in an environment where she knew God. And we can hold on to the hope that we'll see her again. But what about other people who, who haven't heard that message yet? How sad is that, that they think that's the end? So have you heard the message, Brixton? Yes. All right, so you, you don't want to answer that one. How about this? Brixton! Say yes, sir. Come on, man. Brixton! 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 How many times did I call you? I said, how many times did I call you? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the ability to be able to rest and come and worship you on your Sabbath day. As always, we want to thank you for delivering this message through song throughout the whole week, throughout the world, through, through, uh, through word as well. We just thank you for the God that you are. Enable us to appreciate that we understand that we know who God is and that despite our flaws, you still want us to be part, to work with you, alongside you, to be co-laborers. May we open our eyes and, not, and realize that our problems are small in comparison to what you can do for us and understand that our calling sometimes as Christians isn't about us, but it's about other people as well. We're called as humans, as Christians, as Adventists for a particular message to help each other. In a world so broken and fractured with wars everywhere, you've called your people to be peacemakers, to help the poor, to help the needy, Enable us to carry out this message, both in word and in action. And please, as your young people stand here and they show them the world that they're truly dedicated and they're in this race for the long haul, keep us, keep us faithful, keep us strong. And be with those who've lost, we've lost a sister this week. 
be with the family, Heavenly Father. Build a hedge around them like you did for Job. And please, may they find some sort of peace in you, because we don't know what to say, but we know who you are. You're the God who's been with us from the very moment we were born till this moment now. But we have this hope in you that tomorrow exists because it's in your hands. Thank you for being the God that you are and enable us to go out in any shape or fashion to do some sort of good and to make this world ready for your second coming. These things I pray through the authority of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.